Are you ready to become awesomer? Hello, everyone. This is Umar Hamid, your host, and welcome to the No Limit Selling Podcast, where industry leaders share their tips, strategies, and advice on how to make you better, stronger, faster. Get ready for another episode. Today, I'm privileged to have James Weiskerger here with me. James, welcome to the program. Thank you. James, tell me in 90 seconds who you are and what you do. I'm a real estate broker. I own Next Step Realty. We've uh, created the W Home Group, which is kind of a, a subdivision of Next Step Realty, which really is compromised of top talent, um, top realtors in the area. And uh, the game plan with that was to form a team that is just only filled with just really smart, savvy agents who just kind of understand and have the same passion that I do as, you know, we grow the business. And so it's been probably about six years since I started Next Step Realty and our team's been in business for about almost eight months now and we'll probably end the year somewhere in the top 10 in Maryland, which is pretty impressive for such a young group. High five for you. Yep. Appreciate it. How do you know you're picking the right person for the team? It's important for me to identify traits in people that I can't train, right? And so, like, work ethic is, like, unbelievably important to me. Mm -hmm. It's probably, like, the foundation of my success, I think. Um, Just agents who kind of get it, and I can generally tell pretty quickly with talking to realtors or even through a transaction with another realtor, just exactly kind of who the good ones are based on their interaction, their customer service. Um, And so most of my team were realtors who either were in the business, but most of them actually were people who had no prior real estate experience. I brought from other sales um, backgrounds and actually brought them into the real estate business. Nice. There's this interview I heard with Will Smith. He was saying, you know, there's people out there with way more talent than me but nobody's out there that can work harder than me. That's correct. It's a, it's a definitely a, a similar motto that I probably follow. When we started this interview, you were mentioning the number of realtors in the state of Maryland. 42,000? 42,000. And if we were going to categorize them into four food groups, A players, the superstars, sure. the B players, the C players, the D players, what percentage of that uh, 42,000 plus do you think would be A players? Probably a half percent. A half a percent would be the the elite. Yeah, the B players. Um, that probably f- I would say is maybe thirty percent, probably. And C's and D's, everybody else. Probably, I'd say another twenty percent or so, and the rest probably funnels to the D group. Yeah, the problem with real estate is there, there's really low barriers to entry. Right. So I mean, I think you need like a GED. Um, you need, I think, a 70% or better on the state exam. Right. Um, it, it's pretty easy to get in the business. And I think everyone watches like these shows and thinks... I could just, do that. Yeah, but like, you know, it takes a ton of effort. And I don't really believe in selling real estate part-time. I think it's an absolute full-time gig. And the ones who do it part-time, I think, really struggle because it's really hard to find the time to like really dive into it and be successful. You've been doing this business for a while. You've probably come across some B players that you can clearly see this person could be a rock star, but for whatever reason, they don't make the jump over. Have you ever come across a situation like that? Yeah, but I think some people are like are okay with being B players. So there's a complacency or a, I'm okay with this? Yeah, I think it's like I'm okay with my income level. Right. Right. And I'm okay with 
selling what I sell and like I don't really want to work 80 hours a week or 100 hours a week to get to the next level right and that's completely fine that's not what I want on my team but that's completely fine and so they're still really quality realtors they're just not as hungry and have like all the components that I think makes like someone exceptional somebody was coming into this business what would be the best advice you could give them here are the three things you need to keep in mind to to be successful I think you have to treat like a job like any other job I mean I tell all new agents like come to the office every day Get to the office like at 8 a.m. as you would any other job. And I don't care if you have nothing to do. There's always things to be done. I mean, I could work continuously for 24 hours straight for a long, long time before I like, ended like the actual workload because it never ends, right? It ends when yep. you say it ends. And so I think for new agents, it's important for them to just shadow and be around other agents who produce. I think you learn a lot. And when I first started in the business, I came to the office every morning and I would just sit there and listen and learn and pick up things. And on occasion, you know, the bigger agents in my office when I first started would give me kind of smaller leads of things they didn't want to handle. But it was still opportunity for me, which I took advantage of. Nice. You've put a team together. You could get talented people coming into a team, but forming it into a team is something else. You can get a bunch of individuals coming. Sure. We can get people coming together as a team, which makes it stronger. What was the thought process before you started recruiting? And then what were the methodologies you used to ensure that this team would gel? That's important, though, because I think having one bad apple can really make a team dynamic um, not as enjoyable. And the good part is now, I mean, our team is is a really close-knit group. And so as we grow, I want to be mindful of who we allow kind of in that group because it's important. I want to make sure everyone has enough has enough help, has enough supervision so they can continue to, to grow. And I think if you grow too fast, it can become a problem where um, you're not able to offer them all the resources as you promised them. And so... Mm-hmm. I'm pretty mindful of like the time frame of taking on new people on the team to make sure that whoever comes on board, whatever I promise them I'm going to give them, I'm able to actually deliver. Nice. So tell me, uh, did you have any growing pains as you put the team together? Yeah, no, I mean, for sure. It's, um, at times I, I thought about just selling on my own because it's easier. I mean, it is. I mean, I think before I started the team, uh, my last year as an individual, I think I sold $45 million in real estate, which is a pretty high amount for an individual. Yes. I think our team of 10 will do about, probably about $120 million, to put that in perspective. And nice. so to do $45 million on your own is a lot, but at the same time, like you give up a lot in order to, to sell that much. So, so the idea of the team was that we all can kind of share in this together, the growth of, of, of myself and the company. And so... The hardest part, I think, was just trying to identify people who would be a good fit for what we were building. They just have to believe in like the vision because I think in in Maryland, there's a really good opportunity to to grow at a fast rate and be the top team in the area. And I, we're not there yet, but I have no doubt in the next few years we can get there. There's a, a brilliant lady uh, more in the Northern Virginia, Washington area. Her name's uh, Carrie Shule, and so she's doing about two fifty yeah, a year. A lot. And when she was doing a presentation, what was really fascinating was, for her, it was very much marketing-driven, math-driven. It was more the analytical side of the business. Sure. And the, the joy and the candy was doing the transaction. So how does that fit into your math? So I have partners in, you know, as we grow, who have, like, taken on that role, who break down, like, exactly what we spend in certain areas of marketing and our ROI per area. And to me, it's a numbers game, right? If I know right. that... 100 calls equals five leads of equal one sale, then I know in order to get, let's just say five sales, I need to make 500 phone calls. Right. And so we can kind of figure out exactly where we need to increase market, you know, 
budget and exactly where we need to, you know, I guess areas that we can grow in in order to like achieve results that we want. Brilliant. How long has the team's been around for eight months? Yeah. Yep. Looking back at it, what would you have done differently in growing this team? Like, were there any things that, you know, hindsight, you go, oh, I wish I would have done that sooner. I probably could have done a better job of, even though we're a team, I still want the agents to have their own individual, like, touch and feel and their own, like, past clients mm-hmm. and their own sphere of influence. And I think when I originally started the team, I had, like, all the marketing be more specific to the team, not really to them. And the reason they get all the referrals from all their past clients is really based on them, not the team. So it's understanding that the value of the team or them with the team is really them themselves. And when you market to their past clients, they need to be more focused on the actual individual agent, not so much myself. That's brilliant. And sometimes people take years to figure that out. Sure. Yeah, I I can imagine. Tell me about uh, one of the areas where one of your team members came over with a problem of, you know, how do we make the team better? This isn't working for me. How do you handle that? Well, having a small group of, you know, people who I consider friends makes it easy because we have bi-weekly meetings and the meetings are more like an open forum where nice. it's like what's not working like what is working because I'm not always right um, and, and neither is my office manager and she's the best and, and we have another partner Kelly who does a lot of our media stuff um, but it's listening to what the problems are and then finding solutions for the problems too because I just think that if you take a collaborative effort of everyone's opinion everyone feels more vested in the process and as you grow, it's, it's helpful because then when things actually work that they suggested, they feel more part of the team. Do you, as an individual and as a company, do you have strategic partners out there yep. that help you grow? And uh, what are those relationships and how do you make sure both parties win? So we have you know mortgage um, vendors and we have right. title companies. And I focus a lot on past clients. I focus a lot on like my sphere of influence and people who... I probably have, let's say, 10 to 15 people who like consistently refer me business. And so I want to make sure those 10 to 15 people are always like, just know how much I appreciate what they do for us. And I try to, one thing we created when we started the team, we have a, a 32 um, point touch system, which is 32 emails, letters, cards, flyers, whatever mm-hmm. it may be to all of our past clients in our sphere of influence. and. It's a lot of work to do that, but it's like unbelievably effective in terms of getting referrals. And so um, I always want to be in front of the, you know, my past clients and my sphere of influence as often as possible. And our lenders and our title companies allow us the ability to do that because they help, you know, pay for some of the advertising and marketing as we jointly do it together, which is great. So how do you make it uh, personalized to you? Because I know there's lots of systems out there, uh, uh, Buffini and others. Uh, Is there a special kind of look feel connection that you're trying to get with your touches yeah so i mean all of ours are organically created which requires a lot more work obviously mm-hmm. i don't really believe in newsletters i don't really believe in soup recipes or like gardening tips i just don't think those things really speak to people right um and so that's why we decided to actually organically create them and they're all custom about just maybe a time of year or different things that may be coming up but i just think by making them more custom, they actually speak uh, to the client more, which nice. is important. I think otherwise, I, I just don't know how many you know, newsletters you can get that are so redundant that look like the exact same. I just don't know how effective those things are long term. Do you have a feedback loop with your customers to know that you're relevant, still on track, and serving them in the way they want? Yeah, so part of our system requires two calls a year, which we do, and you know, it's... 
it's not the easiest calls to make, but they're really, really important to, to make because um, it's unbelievable that people, even after they get 32 things in the mail or emails, sometimes don't realize like what we do is so uh, geared off referrals, right? Mm-hmm. Where I've spoken to clients and helped them with small ancillary favors. And maybe at the end of the conversation, I say, hey, by the way, if you know of anyone looking to buy or sell, let me know. And they'll say, oh, my good friend's looking for a house. Mind you, they just got 32 mailers from us in different touches. And like that wasn't enough as a trigger point to like make them refer me a deal. I actually had like actually ask. And so it's one of those things that, you know, I, I never mind asking for referrals. Mm-hmm. I think uh, a lot of people don't do that. And I just uh, obviously they were satisfied with our service. Um, and so to ask them if they have friends who are already buying a house, but to use us doesn't seem like a big request. The landscape seems to be changing. A uh, good example, Ubers of the world. If you want any pharmaceuticals that can be delivered to you from Canada, beyond. What's the shift in real estate in that transaction between agents and brokers and consumers? Like, what are you envisioning and how are you allowing for that? So it gives the consumer a lot more power now because they have the same search tools that we have. Mm-hmm. Um, our search tools allow us to look up non-MLS listed homes, which is kind of smart for us to have a back channel of data that actually consumers can't get. So I, a lot of times I leverage that information uh, with buyers to make sure they obviously use our, us for their services because it's data they can't get on their own. So as the online platform like continues to grow, it does give the buyer a greater chance to do a lot of the research on their own prior to actually like contacting a realtor when you know, 15, 20 years ago, they actually were almost forced to call a realtor because that's the only way they would be able to get the data. And so it's, you know, as the market continues to grow, I think most of our attention for marketing is spent online because I know that's where, that's where all the buyers are shopping. Brilliant, because I'm hearing uh, from some folks that uh, connection you have with your customer is gonna be all the more important now if you've got that strong relationship that's there because consumers will have the power and there's a lot more realtors out there looking to make it happen. Sure. And the people that are going to win are the ones that have added value and maintain those relationships. The message that we always try to convey is that we do a better job than most, right? And so all of our marketing is pretty consistent with, it matters like who you choose as a realtor. Like a buyer and a seller have the option to interview multiple agents, which I recommend anyone doing. Mm -hmm. Um, Because it gives them an idea like what that individual agent will do for them um, and it's in our business, it's frustrating because I see a lot of mistakes that that agents make and it costs their clients so much money. If they sort of interviewed a better agent. They wouldn't be in that situation. And so it's, it's frustrating. But at the same time, I think making sure they're educated about their option to choose is important. There's a lot of realtors out there that are doing uh, Thanksgiving's going to have come get a pumpkin pie ongoing touch. Yep. As well as like, um, we're renting out a movie theater, come. Sure. But how do you maintain your uniqueness and your, in- I'm going to say integrity, because there's a look and feel for what you guys do. Sure. And you want to maintain that through all the events. But it's consistency, right? Like those guys will do one event. Right. And I see it all the time. I mean, I could give them my marketing plan and I know for a fact they wouldn't follow through. So that's why it never really concerns me because back to like your categorization of realtors, I think there's so few in the A category who actually will like take advantage of that information. Like I see obviously through social media, other agents doing those events, but they do them like once every two years. 
That's not effective. Talking about giving people your playbook, I was reading this book. It was about the USS Benfold. It's a guided missile destroyer. Okay. And one of the things they ended up doing was to make, they knew that the happiness of the sailor, one of the determining factors is their family back home. And so they would send out uh, a birthday card to family members as well, just to say, hey, we're connected with you. Sure. So one of the other ships, that's a brilliant idea. They put a sailor on it and he sends out all the birthday cards at once. So there's like months ahead of when they need to be. So that's funny. just having the plan and having the spirit of it are two different things. Yeah, I mean, it's like any kind of marketing piece. I think you have to give it a certain time, but it has to be consistent. I think if you're gonna do like a mailer, for example, you just can't do one mailer can't do probably two mailers. It has to be a concerted effort to do, you know, for a certain period of time. And if you don't get results, that's fine. But I mean, a lot of the things I've learned over my years have been kind of trial and error. And so um, you have to give it a fair amount of time, but to make it actually a true, like just to actually evaluate it correctly, you have to give it an amount of time that's fair. Companies can measure anything, agent performance, all kinds of metrics. Is there one particular metric that you keep your finger on the pulse just to make sure the entire company is going in the right direction? I pay attention most to revenue created by our agents. Because that, num- that number reflects what, how well they're doing, but also how well the company itself is doing, right? Nice. And so I don't really care what I sell. Like what I sell is great in theory, but it's really like kind of icing on the cake. I want them to be successful, and that also makes the brokerage and the brand successful as well. Brilliant, and it also focuses the company. If that's what we're looking to do, then how do we help them do that sure. really well? I'm a firm believer of picking one metric. Yeah, I mean, for me, it's like, this only works if they're all successful, right? And so there's tons of times where I get calls from buyers or sellers that I just give away to people on my team because I know that empowers them to be able to sell more and have more of a reach. And so I could take it myself, of course, but I choose not to because I'd much rather give it to them and watch them succeed. I was talking to a VP uh, a couple of days ago on an interview like this, and the question was, uh, because it's more traditional sales, what do you do when you have a talented salesperson that falls into a slump? Because sometimes that can last a while. Sure. And he says, I tell them to give stuff away. This is our deal. If you discount it as much as you want, just get that next sale done and get some movement started and it gets them back on track really, really quickly. And I thought, that's for a VP to say that, because normally it's all about margin. It was like, hey, they're more valuable unstuck than they are. Yeah, it does make sense. I I just think that it is, I think motion helps and I think it just gets them busy, which I think then leads to more transactions, which leads to the company's success. And it's like a win-win for everyone. How would you describe the culture of this company? Passionate, hardworking, pretty determined. I mean, everyone has the same vision and we know who the leaders are, like we know they do. And I honestly feel we do a better job than them. And so, Again, the people at the top have been doing this for remarkably longer than we have, and I, I think we have just a really good opportunity because we actually have people who actually care about the client. That to me, like really what it comes down to, offering unparalleled service and making sure you always put the client first. If you got a new uh, staff person coming on board, so not a realtor, yep, you've got, this is what our culture is, this is what we do. How do you instill it in the hearts and minds of somebody coming on board like that? So it's not just words, it's actually imprinted. So what's that process like? Yeah, so we do a lot of team building events, a lot of happy hours, a lot of just social things that I think that are important just to make the person feel welcomed. And then aside from that though, other people will like take that person out to lunch and just get to know them on a more personal level. And I think that 
the more people that are connected to that new person makes them feel more at home. Nice. Concerted effort to make sure that happens. Yeah, because we're, I mean, we all have the same goals. And so it's easy when we all have the same goals. We have, you know, we have a tech string that we're all on and it's, at times it can be exhausting, but it's, it's great. It, you know, we all keep each other in the loop of different stuff and it's nice for new people to hop on there because they see just the communication through all of us as we all kind of talk about various topics of real estate and just how we communicate and interact. And so the good part is like we really is a team effort where if one person needs a favor on a Friday night, it's amazing how many times that happens where like multiple people like step up and it will be more than willing to help. Brilliant. Before we part company, is there a particular book you'd recommend people uh, pick up and read? I read a book, of, uh, I think it was last year. I think it was called From Good to Great. Mm-hmm. That's a brilliant book, Jim Collins. Yeah. Prior to the real estate company, I had a really successful short sale negotiation company. And it taught me a lot after reading that book of how much better we could have been. And so I take this company now and I evaluate it a lot closer to try to never allow like status quo to be acceptable. Nice. And that question I asked you about what's the one thing you measure comes directly out of that book. Yeah, yeah for sure. It does. It's a good book. Thanks so much for sitting down with me. Uh, I really enjoyed the conversation. Yeah, it was a pleasure. Thank you. If you enjoyed this episode, please go to iTunes and leave a five-star rating. And if you're looking for more tools, go to my website at nolimitselling.com. I've got a free mind training course there that's going to teach you some insights from the world of neuro-linguistic programming, and that is the fastest way to get better results.